Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Letters to Myself podcast. I hope you're all having a really great December so far. This is probably going to be the not the last, maybe the second last episode that I do for the year. So I just wanted to say that if you have listened at all this year, if you've listened to even one episode or you discovered my podcast this year, I wanted to thank you so, so, so much um, because it does mean the world to me. The little listeners that I do get and the feedback that I get from some people who reach out has been so meaningful. So yeah, just wanted to start there. There are a lot of things that I wanted to talk about today, and the main focus is going to be on two things. So firstly, I wanted to talk a little bit about the whole obsession with the word delusional and the delusional girlies that are everywhere on girl internet right now. Have a bit of a discussion about that and how grounding myself in realism has actually helped me a little bit more than leaning into the delusional girl persona. And then the second thing that I wanted to talk about was a book I read that really helped connect some dots for me, kind of in my journey to just becoming not a better person, just a more wholesome person, I guess, a more well-rounded person. And that's called The Healing Connection by Jean Baker Miller. It's more of a therapy book. It's really about, it's heavy on psychotherapy. It came out actually a long time ago, I believe in 1998. So it's an old book, but the research I feel like is still really relevant today. Uh, So yeah, let's get started. Just a very, very brief book update for some relevant ones that I've read. I'm almost at my goal. I'm at 96 out of 100 books. Um, One of them was a short story, so I'm considering it 95. I'm going to try to get to 101, but I'm very, very close to my goal, so I'm trying so hard to get to it. But some notable books that I've read the past couple of weeks, one of them was Cinder. It's actually an older YA dystopian novel by Marissa Mayer. It's part of something called The Lunar Chronicles, and I absolutely loved it. It's been a while since I've read something that's hooked me in that well, Um, and it's basically kind of like a futuristic, dystopian version retelling of fairy tales, and each book in the series is about, you know, a specific fairy tale. So the first one is about Cinderella, and I'm not going to go too much into it, but I just really loved the main character, and I was obsessed with reading it, and I can't wait to read the second one. And then another book that I read recently that I was actually really disappointed in because it's a very popular book was The Housemaid by Frida McFadden. I'm not very much a thriller girl. Like I I will read anything. Like literally give me a book, I'll read it. But I find a lot of thrillers are very just predictable, even though this one supposedly had a twist, but I saw it coming from like the first few chapters of the book. I was already guessing the plot twist. And considering it's supposed to be like a shocking uh, plot twist, I was just surprised. I was like, okay, obviously that would be the bad guy. Like it's just pretty, pretty out there. You can kind of tell where it's going. The only thriller I feel like I've ever really enjoyed was The Patient, which I read earlier in the year because that one was actually very well written. But this one was, again, very plot-driven, which, of course, thrillers are plot-driven. But I just feel like the recipe for writing a thriller to make it popular is just so, like, there's nothing interesting about it. I Like, it was definitely entertaining, you know, from that perspective. It's like watching a movie that you know you're going to enjoy, but is not, you know, wow. Like, it doesn't leave you thinking about it afterwards, you know? Um, so I was a little bit disappointed because it was such a popular book and I was kind of excited to read it, especially because I've never read many thrillers. It's not necessarily my top genre. So yeah, that's all I'll say. That was just a really short thing. I'm going to get right into 
really what I wanted to talk about today, which was <laughs> delusion. Because I think we've taken this word way, 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 way too far. Like it's actually gone out of hand. Anywhere you go, whether it's on TikTok or on Twitter or on Instagram, you see girlies talking about how they're delusional and how girlies support their delusional besties and using it in a way that to me is a little bit concerning because it's it's one thing, like the whole manifestation, law of attraction side of the internet has been around for a long time. But I feel like especially in this year or kind of post COVID, I guess, it's gotten, it's it's evolved into something that is a little more concerning to the mental health of the people that are calling themselves these delusional girlies. And I am at fault for this as well. So I'm I'm not saying I'm immune to the pull that this word has and the effect that it has and has had on my life. So we're just going to start with the actual definition of what a delusion is for those who don't know. If you Google it, according to Oxford Dictionary, it is a false belief or judgment about external reality held despite incontrovertible evidence to the contrary, occurring especially in mental conditions. So this is not to be confused with a hallucination because a hallucination is something you actually see in your perceived reality, whereas a delusion is something you kind of just believe to be true, but it's not like you're seeing something in front of you. And delusion is often kind of conflated with people who suffer with again, mental conditions. So mental health conditions. Um, it, it's not necessarily a good trait to have. Um, so delusion can lead to what we call psychosis, spiritual psychosis. It can lead to us losing sight of who we are. Um, we are no longer gr- grounded in reality. We no longer have a grasp on what is real and what isn't. It can lead to basically very dire consequences that I feel like are not really talked about enough on Not that just the general internet, but girl internet. So (laughs) delusion, I feel like the way it is talked about on social media is more like, oh, you know, I'm delusional. Um, I believe that this person will fall in love with me, even though he hates me. Delusional is like me believing Timothy Chalamet is like thinking about me right now and I'm going to end up with him. Um, delusional could even be like my ex who blocked me and wants nothing to do with me and is about to get a restraining order. He secretly wants to get back together with me because I can manifest that into my reality and I can shift into a different timeline and they will want me back even though they want absolutely nothing to do with me and are about to contact the police. So there's different levels to delusions and some are more harmful than others. So let's start with kind of the most innocent one. Obviously, you know, having a fantasy, I think, is a little bit different than delusion. And I have many fantasies. So I'm not, you know, I'm not clowning. This is not to make anybody feel, you know, insecure about the, the their fantasies that they may have. But I think fantasy, especially as a young woman, is very normal. We've all fallen asleep to our scenarios that we make in our head. I feel like that's a perfectly normal thing to do. We all have fantasies about you know, love scenarios and romance scenarios, or even fantasies about, um, you know, getting the promotion that you want or being recognized, getting attention. Maybe your fantasy is becoming famous. I don't know. We all have fantasies and that's normal because we are human beings and we strive towards certain goals. But the key word here is that the word fantasy implies that it's not that it's out of reach, but that you are aware that it's not, you know, it's not real. 
you're aware that it's this further up goal that you may or may not achieve, but you know, it's a dream that you have. And these, these words are all kind of closely connected. And that's why I feel like we're kind of losing the plot a little bit here. So there's fantasy, there is dreams, goals, aspirations, and then there is a delusion. So I think when a fantasy becomes a delusion is where your brain no longer thinks or is no longer aware that it's just a fantasy you're playing in your head and you actually start to believe that it can actually happen for you, even though there's a very, very, very minuscule chance of that happening. So let me just explain. And then I'll clarify by by giving a little disclaimer because I'm not trying to argue that your out of reach goals are not achievable. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. I'm trying to say that delusion can actually bar you from achieving your goals and being a successful person because your brain no longer understands what is real and what isn't. So let's use a very, very popular fantasy we all have, getting with our celebrity crush, okay? Me personally, I have a lot of celebrity crushes. I'm not gonna lie. They've changed over the years, you know? As a young teen, of course it was, you know, One Direction. Of course it's morphed right now. I have like a list of men that I find extremely attractive that are famous. Do I like to fantasize about them sometimes? Yeah. Um, do I think that I have a chance with them? No. Um, you know, obviously if I'm playing a fantasy in my head, because I'm a romantic girly, it's me, you know, in, in some like next scenario, like they meet me, they fall in love with me. It's nice to kind of entertain that, right? It's pleasurable. It's nice. But do I genuinely believe that like, if I meet Pedro Pascal, even though he's double my age, that he's going to fall in love with me and he's going to want me for some reason? No, I don't believe that. I don't think I have a chance with him. Okay. I'm not entertaining that in my head. I'm not like actually thinking about it and saying like, oh, I can like shift and I can, I can manifest it. And you know, he, he'll think about me and I can actually have that happen because I've seen girls that actually think that it can happen, that they can manifest their celebrity crush. And then they'll use these really like insane examples of like Haley and Justin and how she was a fan of him. Or I, I think Liam Payne's new girlfriend like manifested him because she was a huge fan of One Direction when she was a kid. And they'll, they'll just use these like extremely rare, like one in a billion situations to just think that they can achieve that. And then all of their energy and all of their attention is going towards achieving that delusion. When in reality, you could be putting your effort towards achieving more tangible goals, you know, towards achieving an actual dream relationship that is not rooted in fantasy to, you know, putting all your energy and attention into becoming a more successful person into your, your career goals, into your hobbies, into your interests. But instead you're obsessing over something and just delving into this unreal, non-tangible, idealistic world that is pulling you further behind and and pushing you into mental illness is what we'll call it. So that's a very extreme situation. And again, if, if you're a minor, if you're a teenager, like I give you more slack for this because, you know, I, I thought like, oh, if I go to the Harry, like the One Direction concert, like he's going to see me in the crowd. Like I used to believe things like that too. And I, again, I think that's a normal part of like puberty and like growing up. But it's dangerous when I see kind of grown people that can hold full-time jobs or that are in uni um, still believing that. And it's like, these are people that are like working and like contributing to society. And it's just a little bit concerning because I'm, I'm like worried for like the mental health state at this point. So that's like kind of a, an example of an extreme delusion. 
And I don't think there's anything necessarily harmful to society about having these kinds of delusions, but I think it does get a little bit harmful when it's a delusion, for example, that I gave an, an example earlier of believing that someone, maybe you broke up with them. It was a very toxic relationship. You've been in no contact with them that you think that you can bring them back and you're trying to reach out to them, even though maybe they, they hate you. Maybe like they want to get a restraining order. Like maybe something really went wrong and you still, for some reason, believe that you can, you can, you can get them back. And you have like this delusion. And it's like, my reality is that I'm attracting him to me because he's coming back to me. And that's when it gets kind of dangerous because you're not allowing yourself to heal and to go through the process of maybe grieving the loss of that person. And you are, you're moving into a very unhealthy scenario in which you're continuously attached to this person that wants nothing to do with you. And you're beginning to believe it in your head and you don't recognize that it's just a fantasy. You actually think it's real and it's taking over your life. And again, I know I'm using extremes because people use the word delusional in a jokey way. And so do I, but I do, I have seen many instances of people genuinely believing their delusion and think like, it's almost like, I I don't understand where it's coming from. And it's like, it's so far removed from our reality, our collective reality that I think they need professional help. You know, I've seen this so many times. So I just wanted to point out that that in itself is not healthy and that I I don't consider that a fantasy. If you genuinely believe that that is going to happen for you and that, you know, you can write a million affirmations down and it will happen or that you can listen to subliminals and it'll happen for you or that you can, you can get a tarot reading and that tarot reading is telling you that he's coming back into your life and then believing it. I think that's really unhealthy. And I, I do think that a lot of this new age spirituality, which I've talked about before, is perpetuating spiritual psychosis in a lot of women. Um, obviously, it can happen to men too. I'm not saying it doesn't. I just see it particularly, again, because I'm on like girl internet and I'm in a lot of those spaces where all of the comments under these videos are like, I see it, I believe it, blah, 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 blah. And I think that's really dangerous to kind of feed into this idea because instead we should be using all of the information we have about law of attraction, about manifestation, we should be using that to pursue our tangible goals, to pursue the things that we can make happen. So this is where I'm going to kind of put my my disclaimer because I am a very big proponent of manifestation. I believe in the law of attraction. I do believe that there is an energy that we can't completely understand that attracts certain things to you. I believe in the invisible, the what's it called? The, the string theory. Um, I've read multiple books about astrophysics and I have a general understanding of how things work. And I do think that there's something that we can't explain. What I said is just going to sound very stupid because I'm not a scientist, but on the other, I, but I do think that to, to, be, to, to work towards something that is so unhinged is not healthy. You know, like I would rather spend my time manifesting, um, a promotion is my promotion or my idea, my, my goal to become my next promotion to be CEO. No, because that would be delusional of me. Why would I magically manifest becoming a CEO without getting to the appropriate steps first? You know what I mean? It's a little bit too out there. 
what's tangible for me and what I'm trying to manifest is a higher pay grade, is a, a job above the one that I'm currently working. What I'm trying to manifest is a healthy relationship where there's passion. That's not something unreasonable to ask for. What I'm trying to manifest is traveling or maybe a dream purchase that I want to make. But these are things that I know I can accomplish. These are grounded in reality because I've worked and put in the action and, you know, created a tangible solution on how I'm going to get there. And even if you don't know how you're going to get there, even if you don't know the how, knowing that it's going to happen for you because it exists in in your reality and it's something that is, I'm not going to say realistic, but is within your grasp, even if it's maybe a little bit out of your grasp, is a much healthier aspiration and manifestation that you're trying to bring forth than something absolutely insane like Harry Styles is going to marry me or we're not even going to mention that anymore. Like, okay, or he loves me even though he wants nothing to do with me. That's, that is unhealthy. That warrants therapy. If you think somebody that wants nothing to do with you wants you, wants to marry you, wants to date you, wants to kiss you, it's not healthy. Okay. And I think we have to stop pretending that it is, that it, it was just a girly thing. It's not, it's, it's not healthy. I think for people that are kind of falling into this trap, therapy is necessary. Of course, therapy is not accessible. It's extremely expensive. So I understand not everybody has access to it, but maybe just talking with the people around you and enveloping yourself in a sense of community, having a discussion that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of getting out of hand with these thoughts. I need, I need a little bit of a reality check. I'm what can go a long way, you know, and books are a very great resource. Of course, they're not the be all end all. They're not a substitute for genuine therapy, but books have helped me create a grasp on, on the things that I want to do and on the human psyche that have helped me so, so much more than, you know, a TikTok can of somebody trying to give their falsified advice coming from them. Um, and it's going to be so much more helpful towards you achieving your, your dreams, your dream life, your goals, the woman you want to be or the man you want to be, then um, a tarot video that's like, um, you know, you're going to meet your soulmate, interact three times to claim, blah, blah, blah. These people should genuinely be banned because that's not what actual tarot readers do. I'm sorry. And half of the time, like if you've studied tarot and you know the meaning of the tarot cards, they will put out cards like the, the three of swords or like the seven of swords. And I'm like, how does that mean you're attracting your dream man? Do you know what the meaning of the cards are? You're not a real tarot reader because I literally consider myself a beginner and I already know that certain cards mean betrayal and heartbreak. How are you going to show that and say somebody's coming into your life? And there's thousands of comments of people being like, I claim, I claim, I knew it. I knew it. I knew I wasn't going crazy. I knew he was coming back and he loves me. Oh, and I've, I've fallen for this too. Again, I, I catch myself in these mental traps all of the time because it's so easy. It's so easy to fall into a state of delusion. It is very easy. Yeah. I'm getting very passionate about this because this has affected my life so much. And again, I will always use delusional in a jokey way. Like I always make jokes about like, oh my God, like my delusion manifested. Like I'm so delusional. Like I use it in a jokey way, but I'm... I'm very careful on like actually partaking or like genuinely believing my delusions that are just so out there that it's it's like insane and it's 
not healthy for me and it's taking me further away from the woman that I want to be, you know? Um, and yeah, I, I, this is not to say that you can't manifest somebody that you've been in no contact with. Like, I don't think that's true. Um, I think if you've been talking to somebody and that didn't work out, but you're still in contact with them, there's always a chance that they could come back. But I'm saying in the situations where it's very clear that this person like hates your guts or maybe they were abusive. I I don't know. I don't know. It's just, things are just taken too out of context and I don't, I don't think it's healthy. And yeah, I think we give it the word too much slack. I think, I think some people are taking it too far. Yeah. I just wanted to bring attention to that and say that my delusional girl persona, she's got to leave a little bit. She has to like take a little bit of a break because I'm trying to be more realistic about life now. I think maybe it's just because I'm personally going through a really hard time in my life. And when things aren't going good for me, I kind of stop believing a little bit. Um, But I'm just trying to be more realistic lately. And again, that's not to say like, there's always going to be like a challenge to my idea or what I'm trying to say, because some people could even say, oh, like reality isn't even real. Like what is reality? Like you could get into all these complex scientific questions that I or nobody has the answer to. But when I mean realistic, I just mean grounded in the physical world as we know it, grounded in what is already around you and having dreams and goals and ambitions is very healthy, something that is just out of our reach. Of course, I believe you can manifest it. I 100% think that that's possible if you put action and intention towards it. But some things are just not healthy for us. And I don't think we should be putting all of our soul and heart into it. Okay. (laughs) That's all I'm going to talk about for delusion. Let's move on to kind of the next topic of the podcast. Okay. So second part is about this book that I read. I made a lot of notes on it. It was very enlightening. So again, it's called The Healing Connection by Jean Baker Miller. It's an older book. It's not very popular, but it is about connection and disconnection. And it was very enlightening to kind of analyze it and see it from the perspective of, you know, my own issues. And of course, everybody can see it from their own perspective. But it basically said or discussed how this is a direct quote from page 15. A veritable industry has emerged in recent years to produce and promote books that urge women to separate, to become independent. Women love too much quote unquote. They are addicted to relationships or to quote an earlier pop phrase, they suffer from a Cinderella complex. That is, they want to be saved by a man. If a woman remains strongly connected to her mother, her family, her spouse or partner, she is deemed dependent. She must grow beyond dependence in order to thrive. In short, these books often blame women for not doing it right, for choosing the wrong men, for being codependent, etc. So the focus of this book is towards women. Again, the author does state that, you know, it can apply to men as well. Um, But again, as a woman, I'm speaking from my own experience. And this was just very enlightening because she talks about how in therapy, um, because of its earlier roots in psychology, like if we go back to Freud, for example, women, when they come in for therapy and they discuss that they're feeling overwhelmed or that they're lonely or that they're feeling isolated, the issue is not that we crave connection because we're a human being. The issue is that women need to learn how to be independent. Women need to learn how not to be 
codependent. They shouldn't crave these things. And usually they will kind of divert it and say, well, the reason you're feeling this way is because you have um, a a mother-child trauma bond. They'll talk about early childhood experiences and they'll kind of just leave it at that. That's what I got from kind of the introduction of the book. And their statement is that they're trying to falsify this and state that, well, no, actually connection is an integral part of the human experience. And we've kind of moved away from connection and we're kind of promoting this ideal that it's better and it's you're a more elevated person if you are completely independent, if you act like you don't need anybody, if you don't rely on anybody and you're not dependent on anybody. That's a very, I'm going to say masculine viewpoint because that's what men are taught in society. But this is then applied to women when they come in and seek therapy or seek to kind of better themselves. And of course it doesn't benefit men either. It makes their lives worse as well because we are all human beings and we all need and deserve connection in order to be healthy and fully functioning people. But when women are told that they love others too much or that they are, they, you know, they want a relationship, they want their relationships in order to thrive and that they're unhappy because their relationships are lacking that connection the onus is often placed on the woman in saying you have to move away from that instead of saying, here's how we can give you help and and tips and tricks on how to connect with the other people in your life, which would actually then improve the quality of life of the person coming in for therapy. So there is too much of an emphasis on separating yourself, on you know, this attitude of this very individualistic, Western-based perspective of you don't need anyone, you shouldn't have to rely on others. Um, if you inherently desire a partnership with someone, that means you're flawed. Like you, can, you should be happy alone, which I think personally is bullshit. Like I'm sorry, I I think people that say you shouldn't need anybody, you should be happy without any relationships, that's BS. I'm sorry because. We're hardwired to want connection. We're hardwired for love, for intimacy, whether it's in a platonic way, whether it's in a romantic or sexual way. We are human beings and we have a biological drive to connect with others. Um, And unless you are, you know, you have a mental condition such as sociopathy, like you want to connect with other people. So to kind of push people away from that and say, it's your fault, you're too needy. We have to help you by realizing that you only need yourself that's there's there's an issue with that and it's causing a lot of problems in society and this book was written 25 years ago i think it's more relevant than ever right now because the information is all still like this is the first time i'm hearing of this that you know it's not wrong to crave these things and it doesn't make you a bad person it just means you're supposed to heal within connections not outside of connections that just like really clicked for me so Again, another direct quote from the book. Many popular psychology books suffer from a central problem. Like traditional psychoanalytic theories, they rest on a limited understanding of women's lives. They aim to offer new possibilities and opportunities for women's growth, but their interpretations rely on an old framework of unquestioned assumptions about the value of separation and autonomy. While some of these books have helped some women, ironically, often by helping them feel less alone and more connected to others, at bottom, they pathologize women's actual experience. When we value separation to such a high degree, we're actually doing ourselves ourselves a disservice. For years, I kind of thought that 
not that I was deficient in some way, but I found it so like almost embarrassing that I have this very fiery urge to just connect with other people. And that's important to me. And even if I'm surrounded by so many friends and family, if I didn't feel connected to them, I would feel isolated. So I've had issues with that before where I want to have a meaningful and genuine connection with the people in my life. And if something goes wrong and we have a disconnect, it would create a lot of problems for me with my health because I would become really anxious and stressed about it. If you consult a lot of general psychology books, there's something wrong with that because they will tell you, oh, you know, you shouldn't let this bother you too much. But the truth of the matter is you're taking away from genuine experiences and discounting the fact that these connections are what give us life. And especially for women, again, I can't speak on behalf of men's experiences because I'm a woman, but it almost ridicules women's experience. And, you know, this notion that we feel too much, that we love too much, which should be seen as a strength, not as a weakness. Women do a lot of these nurturing roles and we, we are excellent um, communicators. We have a lot of emotional intelligence, but these are really looked down upon and they shouldn't be, especially within the realm of, I guess, therapy and psychology in in a broader context, because we're not really being seen. It's being interpreted from, again, a, a standpoint that is outdated, that is very much rooted in early psychology and theory. So what has been found from the research or from their research is that women's sense of self and of worth is most often grounded in the ability to make and maintain relationships. And, you know, that's very... That's very true for me. Please forgive me. I've been coughing a lot. I don't know why. So if I sound like a freak, anyways. My life is going better when I am maintaining my relationships and I feel that they are all healthy. My life falls apart when I feel disconnected from the others around me. And most of the books that I've read don't really address this fact. You know, maybe some more recent ones have. Um, Brittany Brown talks a lot about, about this. I want people to be able to rely on me and I want to be able to rely on others. And me being able to connect with somebody else is integral to my sense of self and to my happiness. So I'm going to move on to the second point that I wanted to make and kind of the, the factor of this book that resonated with me again, the most out of everything that I, that I took in. I've also been just coughing so freaking much. So I can't, I, I don't think I can go on much longer because I, I've taken maybe 10 cough breaks and it's just not working out, honestly. So the second main point of the book, so she first talks about connections and then she talks about disconnections and why we disconnect from others and then kind of the way we self-sabotage when what we really want is to connect with other people, if that makes sense. So I'll give an example or just a quote from the book. So the author says, we want to call attention to this aspect of disconnection. We believe that the most terrifying and destructive feeling that a person can experience is psychological isolation. This is not the same as being alone. It is feeling that one is locked out of the possibility of human connection and of being powerless to change the situation. In the extreme, psychological isolation can lead to a sense of hopelessness and desperation. People will do almost anything to escape this combination of condemned isolation and powerlessness. So of course, when you are feeling disconnected from from people, That is the worst feeling, like feeling isolated. Again, as she said, is not the same thing as being alone or of, you know, spending time alone to oneself, but we will go to desperate lengths and desperate measures in order to not feel isolated. So what people do then 
is they won't lean into connection. Instead, they will conform to what they think the people around them want. So this could be seen as somebody, let's say a daughter has always been talked down to by her parents, or they haven't been emotionally committed to her and they haven't expressed themselves emotionally. She doesn't feel like she's being heard, but if she does not maintain a relationship with them, she will feel psychologically isolated. So what she does instead of, you know, working towards a genuine connection because she doesn't know how to do that, she will just conform to what her parents want and be this emotionless, you know, I don't know, person or not broach into subjects that are sensitive or act the way that they want to, whether it's, you know, doing what they want her to do in order to maintain that relationship and not have them cut her off instead of maybe, you know, breaking it down and being really honest and looking for other ways to have a more genuine bond with that person. So this is a lot, we see this a lot in parent-child relationships. We see this a lot in romantic relationships. We see this a lot in maybe friendships that have a little bit of a power differential. There's a lot of power dynamics at play here. But basically the fear of being psychologically isolated and, you know, kept away is so intense that people will do just about anything to still be in contact with the people around them. But what they don't realize is that there is no connection there. They are still disconnected. They are in a relationship, but they are in a disconnected relationship. So I don't know if I use the right example, but I'm sure most of you can relate where you've done something that you feel is the antithesis to who you are in order to, you know, keep a sense of calm. This can be seen a lot around during the holidays. Maybe there's a really sensitive topic that you've always wanted to address with your family, but you can't address it. If you bring it up, they will cut you off. And so you sit in silence or you close a part of yourself off in order to, you know, still have somewhere to go in order to still have access to these people. But is it a really healthy relationship? No, it's not because you're not being vulnerable and you're not connecting. So that is where there is a lack of healing and, um, it can cause a lot of psychological distress. That's kind of the point that the book is making. And that had never clicked for me before because there are so many times when I am acting from a place of, okay, I want to make sure that I still belong to this group. And so I'm going to act in a certain way, even though there are things left unsaid, because I don't want to be, you know, shut out from the group. I'm not saying this is in every situation for me. I'm saying just as an example, you know, of not discussing certain things that I think shouldn't be swept under the rug. Let's say it, it it's an important topic in my family. Let's say it's at a, in a work situation where I'm frustrated about um, maybe how I've been treated, but because I want to be, you know, in the in-group um, and I don't want to cause any drama, I, I just like, kind of stay quiet about it until it kind of festers inside me and it really affects me. But am I really connected to those people if I haven't spoken or I haven't, you know, reached out in a way, in a respectful, positive way, not in a way that I'm like calling someone out? Like, I think that's, on a, on, a, on a smaller scale, an example of disconnection to keep us from being isolated. And that kind of really clicked for me because I feel like we all in, in our heads kind of understand it because we've all, this plays out in, with all of us, even with people we consider our best friends, our siblings, these situations are bound to happen. And as the author says, like, if something like this happens to you, it doesn't mean you're in a, a, a problematic relationship because this happens with everybody and including in romantic relationships it's an issue if it's 24 7 and it's an issue when it is constantly barring you from feeling like you know like you are your authentic self around somebody that's when it becomes an issue because 
again, we're human beings and we're always going to have misunderstandings. We're always going to be uncomfortable talking about certain topics. So that is not to say that if you have, you know, a moment of disconnection with somebody that, you know, it means your relationship is toxic. That's not true. And actually she points out that if it happens, you know, once in a while, it can actually make your relationship stronger because it's bound to happen. And instead of leaning away from it, you lean towards it. So the whole point, the whole emphasis is connection. Another point that she made and something that, again, we all do. So it was enlightening to kind of read about it from this perspective is that we will often self-sabotage. So that's what she calls a disconnection when what we really want is to connect with somebody else. And I'm sure we all do this in differing degrees, but again, as an example, let's say you're really depressed or down about something and you want nothing more than to like, to have a a conversation, let's say with your sibling or your best friend, you want to talk about it. You want to spill your heart out. You want help because you're, you're feeling really down. You're feeling really depressed about something. Instead of leaning in towards that and reaching out and, you know, fostering that connection and saying, I really need help with this. Can we talk? Can I, can I reach out to you? A lot of people will self-sabotage and either isolate themselves and say, I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to be alone. I just want to die. I just, I don't, I don't want to be around anybody. They're self-sabotaging themselves from connection when really all they want is to be close to somebody to help them get through this. Or they'll purposely start a fight. We've all seen this play out. You'll you'll become irritated and angry and you'll take it out on somebody when what you really want is to connect with that person and you, you want help. We Again, we all do this because we're all human. But it's interesting to like read it and be like, oh, okay, that's what it is. So the reason I do that is because, you know, I'm, I'm scared. The reason I'm doing that is because it's, it's kind of an auto reaction to disconnect with somebody when you're suffering so much or when you're really going through something, when the underlying sense of it is that you actually want to connect with someone. So that was just mind blowing to me because I had never thought of it that way. And it's causing me to be more mindful of, you know, when I'm really going through it, because Lord knows I've been going through it this past few months. I sometimes like auto react by, by like pushing myself further away from people when that's not what I want at all. If I'm down, I don't want to be away from people. I want to be around people. Um, I'll I'll push away from people because I'll think in my head, oh, you know, I'm not in a good mood. I'm a buzzkill. People don't want to be around me because I'm maybe I'm sad today. Something bad happened. Why would anybody want to be around me because I'm in a bad mood? I should just isolate myself and, you know, go downstairs. I, I should just not go out. I should just be quiet. I shouldn't talk about it because people will be upset with me. That's the kind of mindset I have when I'm feeling down. But this has caused me to see it in a different way and be like, oh, you know what? I'm saying these things, but what I really want is to go out. What I really want is to stay in the living room and watch a TV show with my family. What I really want is to actually address the situation. What I really want is to go out for a coffee with somebody and just be able to spill my heart out. What I really want is to have a one hour conversation with my best friend instead of, you know, leaning away from it, not answering text. You know what I mean? When you can catch yourself in that, you can be like, oh, okay, okay. This is just, this is just my brain. This is just what my brain is telling me to do because I think I'm going to be annoying, but that's actually disconnecting me. And the real healing for me that will help me get through this faster is actually to lean into my relationships and not out of them. And it's hard for people. If you think you're a burden, I always think I'm a burden. That's something ingrained in you. If you've gone through a certain childhood where maybe you've been in a certain role, maybe you've been raised to have a certain personality, But I often feel like I'm a burden when I talk to my problems, but I have no problem with other people dumping their problems onto me, not dumping. Okay. I'm not going to be rude like that. 
I've never been annoyed at somebody for talking to their problems about me. I've never been, I've never felt like it was a waste of my time to spend an hour on an, on a problem with a friend or if they're suffering for me to, to be emotionally supportive for them. So why would it be the other way for me? Why am I, you know, I'm able to be a shoulder to cry on, but then when I'm ready to cry, why do I feel like a burden when it's the other way around? That's not an empowering relationship to be in. We have these preconceived notions and beliefs that, again, that disconnect us, that bar us from, again, having these meaningful relationships that, again, as the author states, this is her words, not mine, are, are mutually empowering and mutually empathic. And if we can just get past that kind of barrier in our minds and those those beliefs that, oh, you know, my, my problems aren't important or, or like leaning away from them. And we instead kind of just move towards that urge, that deep urge to feel in connection with the people around you. We would all be healing a lot more. So that's kind of the central takeaway that I took from the book. Again, this is a book of, of, for therapists, for people in psychotherapy. So it's mainly teaching on, you know, techniques that their patients can use to lean out of, out of disconnection, but it applies to relationships as well, because the only way you can actually heal as they say, is through connection. It's through that movement where you're you're both leaning in and you're both working towards maybe an issue together and you're both healing together, even if it's not the other person's problem. And ultimately, like the, the goal of therapy, and again, I'm using therapy in conjunction with like me talking with my my family. The goal of therapy is for the person to feel more whole, you know, more wholehearted, more able to handle their life, more able to reach out to others. Like, Again, quote, uh, quote me if I'm wrong, um, but, you know, it's not psychiatry. You're not trying to, to push the symptoms away. You're trying to kind of get to the root of the problem and allow the person to develop resilience and and heal, you know what I mean? And, and just become better able to deal with what life brings at them. And the way to do that is not to write a bunch of things down and become like wholly independent and not rely on others. The way to do that is to be able to recognize when you're in that state and to reach out to other people and to, you know, whether it's even if, even if it's your therapist to move through them with those feelings that you're having and then to do that for other people as well, because that's how you create a community, you know? Yeah. So I really, I'm going to stop there because those are kind of the two key takeaways that I had from the book. But it was very, again, very enlightening. I really enjoy reading books like this because it's it's like kind of like I'm therapizing myself, but also I, I give these all of these ideas and these thoughts to other people as well. And being able to kind of analyze your thought thought process and realize where you're coming from and that there's nothing wrong with you. You're literally just a human being doing your best. You were born, you know, and you grew up in an environment that caused you to have these preconceived notions, but you can break free from them. It's very liberating. And again, yeah, it, it helps you improve your life a lot more than like these crazy delusions and like just to, to go there. It's better to just heal these aspects of yourself because the real growth happens again when you are with, with other people, when you're able to discuss things with other people and you don't isolate yourself. So yeah. I think I'm going to end the podcast episode here because it's getting pretty long, but thank you again for, for listening. If you've gotten to this point and let me know your thoughts. Like, do you enjoy when I talk about psychology? Because it is genuinely like such an interesting topic to me. Do you enjoy when I, when I give book recaps, like what do people want to hear about? 
I, I don't know. Like, this is just kind of what I'm most interested in talking about. But yeah, if you have any ideas or any thoughts, let me know. Please give my podcast a rating if you use Spotify or Apple Podcast. And hopefully there'll be another episode before the end of the year because we're almost done 2023. So yeah, thank you so much. And I hope you have a great rest of rest of the week, wherever, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, have a great week. All right. Bye.